0: Hey Bulls, and thanks for listening to Lead On. This is Jeremy, your new podcast host. This is the second of three episodes in our old episode mini-series, where we'll be releasing unpublished material from Kelsey and Sarah's interviews. Episodes will release weekly until the first new episode on Monday, February 20th. We hope that you enjoy.
1: Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country
0: righteous thing you can do is shake the table.
2: I'm asking you to believe, not in my ability to bring about change, but in yours.
0: There was always light, if only we're brave enough to see it, if
2: only we're brave enough to be it. What's up, Bulls, and welcome to Lead On Podcast, a podcast designed to foster leadership development by talking to real leaders. Let's lean in and lead on. Hey, Bulls, welcome back to Lead On. You're here with Sarah and Kelsey. Happy Monday. Today, Sarah and I are here with Sherelle Dorleans. Sherelle is a public health research and evaluation specialist. In her role, she assists in the performance of evaluation and research in the areas of adolescent and school health and programming to support CDC's Division of Adolescent and School Health, aka DASH, on the national COVID-19 school mitigation project. Sherelle earned her undergraduate degree in cultural anthropology and sociology from UB and her master's in public health degree from with a concentration in public health promotion and disease prevention from Florida International University. Sherelle is an alumna of UB's Ronald E. McNair program, the Educational Opportunity Program, and the Collegiate Science and Technology Entry Program, all within UB's Cora P. Maloney Center. In addition, she is a two-time UB study abroad participant, global scholar, and an alumna of Project Prize, a Liberty Partnerships program through Queensbury Community College funded by the New York State Education Department. Sherelle also participated in various student-led organizations on campus, such as the Caribbean Student Association, also known as CSA. Sherelle, you have quite a background um, and we're so excited to have you here today. How are you doing?
1: I'm great, how are you guys?
2: Doing well.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Hanging in there. So yeah, as Kelsey said, my goodness, quite the background. Um, And it looks like a lot of the things that Kelsey just sort of mentioned, a lot of that seems to be based in advocacy work um, and equality work, equity work, if you will. Um, which is obviously we look for advocacy in all sorts of leaders, um, especially with servant leadership. But can you talk to us a little bit? um, Was there a key moment where you saw yourself as a leader? Was there a few moments? Um, Talk to us a little bit about that leadership journey and what that looked like for you.
0: Sure, sure, Sarah. Um, Thank you again for having me. Um, So there are definitely a lot of moments um, and probably too many to talk about. Um, but I really, really enjoyed peer mentoring, um, and kind of how I started out with that was I actually worked in student advising, starting the second semester of my freshman year, and I was actually um, provided a job by Miss Jacqueline Hollins, who was the director at the time, and I believe still is, and through that, I was able to peer mentor a Newbie 101 um, class yeah. with an advisor. So from there, just starting the whole advisement journey with students, letting them know, you know, the different majors is out there and just various skills that, you know, that they can use um, throughout their journey at UV. time management, um, learning more about financial literacy. There's anything that they really wanted to hone in on and learn. And just other things, um, studying abroad was definitely Definitely a moment that I had to uh, develop leadership skills, but also it was also my first time being out the country. Um, And then with that, I was able to become a Global Scholar and graduate with Global Scholar Distinction. But definitely um, the time that you did discuss, my my leadership time with the Caribbean Student Association definitely led to more uh, in my area of public health, specifically those skills Gave me the. It gave me the, the courage to um, to apply for a graduate leadership position within my public health association at Florida International University. Um, during my master's in public health program, the first year um, I had more of a, a lower role just to get acquainted to the to the to the team and to the school. But the second year. Um, i i was president of my i was president of my public health association and with that i did lead, lead a team of about four or five people mm-hmm. in promoting programs on campus um, around different areas of public health um, as well as fundraising um, professional development when it came to students as well as recent graduates as well as incoming students. So all those experiences
2: definitely aided toward where I am today. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I really wanted to just highlight what you mentioned about peer mentoring and how that really started. Um, I think peer mentoring is a great way um, for leadership or leaders to really be born just because um, they have that great mentor and then they want to give back. I know that's how my journey really started when I was an undergrad um, and that, there is a lot of opportunities at UB um, for a peer mentorship program. And um, so I really appreciate you kind of talking a little bit about that. Um, so as we mentioned before, um, you're an alumna of the UB's Ronald D McNair program, the EOP program, and CSTEP. step um, Can you kind of talk about these programs and how they shaped your successes at UB and beyond?
0: Yeah, sure. I, I actually love talking about these programs because, honestly, without <laughs> without some of them, I wouldn't even have been at UB. I wouldn't even have um, been able to uh, attend UV. So, um, EOP program, also known as the Arthur O.E. Educational Opportunity Program. Um, the program basically is, um, you know, a program focusing on academic and student enrichment for students who have the potential to succeed but academically and personally, but... They may experience some economic or social barriers. So, I actually came into UB through a summer bridge program uh, within EOP. So, you know, the typical freshman may start at UB not knowing anyone, but I had a whole cohort of friends already. The classes that we took that summer were the same classes that I took my freshman, um, my first um, semester as a freshman. So, I definitely knew what to um, experience, you know, those. Um, gen Eds, World Civilization, mm. um, whether you're taking, uh, retaking Algebra, um, English 101, um, all those classes. So I definitely had a leg up um, and just that, just that experience alone, you know, you're, it, it's, you're a part of a family. You know, EOP is not just a program, it's a family. Um, and you know, when you start your program, they say look to your left, look to your right. The person next to you may not be with you at graduation, and um, it definitely was true, but just those, just those experiences, the skills, everything, you know, just them being there for you personally, whether, you know, uh, you had a financial hardship, um, you need a laptop, just, just whatever you're going through, um, applying for, uh, uh, financial assistance or groceries um, anything that you need they're there um, and specifically I had a few a few advisors throughout the years but the one that definitely made a lasting impression was um, Mrs. Padilla, Mrs. Gooper. So I think her and her journey even even when I started on um, grad school I did make sure to reach out to her which which I need to as well
1: <laughs>
0: um, and, and and once again, all of them have really been family programs. McNair, oh my God, I love McNair. <laughs> um, Doctor Doctor Susan Ah and Heather Hogmanbo. Um, this program specifically, you know, is for low income students. In addition, I'm first generation. Um, you know, I'm a Black woman. So, and I want to pursue my my doctoral degree. So, this program definitely focused on doing that. A requirement of the program was doing. Uh, research summer research internship um, and within that summer program we participated in GRE prep which was that mm-hmm. the application that you have to do to get you into graduate school we did research methodology courses that were geared toward our final dissemination of our project mm-hmm. um, at the end of the summer at our annual Ronald E McNair conference that they host in Niagara Falls so and I love the program so much that I didn't do this one year of the summer internship even though that was the only requirement i did two years in a row and um i actually just some background with that this ub did not have public health as a major at that time Mm -hmm. so i actually got my public health experience through research um with mcnair yeah so that that's kind of how my my background in public health research started awesome. and and c-step you know i i definitely took advantage of c-step being a part of the community health educator program mm-hmm. you know learning about different health disparities which i know we'll probably talk about more later on um, <laughs> focusing on um on um organ donation mm-hmm. um, among African Americans and, you know, in Western New York and doing a lot of community outreach on campus as well as awesome. within the Buffalo community. So those are just, those are just, those are the major programs and families
1: that I were a part of when I was at UB. I love that. And I think you just said it best right there. Some of those families that you are a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, I know something that we tend to talk about a lot with our students. And, um, you know, even in some of our podcast episodes, that sense of belonging is so huge for mm-hmm. a lot of our students, especially if you're coming in, like you were mentioning before, a little bit with your background, um, coming in as a first generation student and, you know, not necessarily knowing everything that you're supposed to know or, Everyone assumes that you might know. Having that sense of belonging, that community, and that family really does make all the difference. And Mm -hmm. I think we see it with you now. You are so incredibly successful. You've got like the longest background. I think we've seen. (laughs) We've read, yeah. (laughs) It's a true testament to how um, how well these programs work and how just truly, absolutely wonderful they really are. Yeah. 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 So uh, it's kind of switching gears a little bit. Um, you know, we're talking about some wonderful sense of belonging, some families. Uh, I, I wouldn't exactly call the public health system um, wonderful right now. So, uh, you know, a little, little dicey there, but that's okay. Um, but that means that we just need more leaders like you um, in that system. So can you talk to us a little bit about how uh, current leaders and potentially future leaders really start to address some of the disparities that we're seeing in this public health system today? Yeah, sure, Sarah. Um,
0: so, so for me personally, I feel like leaders and future leaders can definitely address these health disparities within the public health system just by simply advocating, especially for health topics that they're passionate about, um, whether it's mental health, maternal child health, substance abuse. You know, um, I'm on the infectious disease side, so we're talking HIV, um, STDs, COVID-19. And just simply educating others. Um, I think th- there's, a, there's still a lot of stigma when it comes to a lot of, you know, health, you know, diseases in general and public health. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important that if you just simply have a conversation with just your family, you know, it could be at the dinner table, a phone call, and just talking about different health topics, um, it definitely, you know, can address these health disparities. And, you know, just for example... Um, you know, as a Black woman, and um, you know, babies born to Black women in the United States die at a more, you know, double the rate of those oh. you know, other races. So, you know, these are just, you know, just one example. Um, you know, right now we're dealing with COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but we still have these other, these other health disparities, and and um, unfortunately. Unfortunately, um, disease and illness know no boundaries. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's important for us to understand what those gaps are and just work toward addressing it. And when I do have opportunity to talk to students, I definitely make sure to encourage them to get involved in in things that they're interested in, mm-hmm. you know, because um, public health work is is not the greatest of pain career-wise mm-hmm. and you just really have to be passionate about it and for me my passion has been within the S D and HIV realm and that started from the time I was in high school and just doing street outreach mm-hmm. um, so I'm originally, I'm originally from New York, New York City, Queens, New York specifically. Shout out to everybody from New York City. <laughs> <But>, um, <laughs> so doing just being on the, just being in the street and educating anyone that will listen to me, handing out pamphlets, volunteering with, you know, the American Heart Association, just if, if the passion is there, everything else will follow.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And
0: I definitely, I definitely believe that. Yeah.
2: yeah. I really liked what you just said about like, talking to anyone that would listen that like shows true passion and it kind of brings me to like our next question about um empowering the future generation and i know you talked about advocacy work and um just having these conversations at everyday in everyday life at the dinner table um wherever it might be but how else can we spend, or how do you spend time empowering that future generation to have the confidence um, to bring about positive change?
0: So I do I, I do a number of things, um, so specifically, and I kind of, and this is just me. Um, you know I try not to when people ask me about my experience and what I do, I try not to like stress them too much um, because I know I do a lot sometimes, but like for example, Um, you know, I used to work at the local health department level, um, dealing with patient care individuals who are HIV positive. Mm -hmm. Um, right now I do not directly deal with patients, but how I'm also getting that experience still is I'm involved in, um, the Black AIDS Institute and they currently have a African American HIV university and I'm literally not getting paid to do it. I'm... Doing courses and mm-hmm. learning how to do logic models and evaluation work, um, to learn how I can better advocate for these communities and specifically talking about, you know, young black youth and people of color, um, you know, within my communities. And mm-hmm. for me, I define my community as, yes, where I grew up in New York City, but also the community that I currently, um, you know, currently live in here in South Florida. Um, because down here, especially, you know, the South um, is, uh, is, has high infection rates, but mm-hmm. specifically here between Miami-Dade County and Broward County, you know, our rates are high. So, it, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it, it just takes a little extra, you know, yes, it means an extra meeting, virtual meetings for me, but, you know, when you're passionate about it, it's not a job. You know, yeah. I love what I do. Um, and I do take extra time to hone in on those skills and just things that can make me a better person and just, you know, ultimately provide information to someone else and just anywhere that I can be of help. Um, so participating in, you know, uh, different webinars or, you know, black treatment, um, advocates. Um, so I definitely, I definitely, um, do that as well. In addition to just mentoring students. So I, I do mentor students through UB, through UB Career Connect. Um, okay. And the sooner I can get to you, the better. You're a freshman? Ooh, I got so much time. But, you know, for me, and I think the biggest thing at UB is those short, we're talking about those peer mentorships.
2: Mm-hmm. And one thing
0: that bothered me was how short term they were. You know, I, I would have really liked something to be more longer term. So after I graduate, I definitely. Um, participate in programs like Big Brothers Big Sisters where I can like see that person develop and grow for years you yeah. know so mm-hmm. just things like that and I def- definitely encourage students like if you're interested in public health feel free to talk to me uh, I'm gonna give you a lot of information so don't be overwhelmed <laughs> um, but just there's so many different programs that you know that can definitely help with that Yeah. Um, you know and and I participated um, in a program under the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention literally the day after I graduated from UB. I had supplied Atlanta CDC headquarters and I did a project. Um, it's called Project Immotep, so it was a summer research internship. Um, it could be based at different organizations um, within the eastern United States, but I was based in Atlanta and um, you know, I did research within maternal and child health. Um, And this program, once again, is for, you know, uh, um, disadvantaged students, but specifically students of color that want to get into the field of public health Mm -hmm. and they want to, you know, they want to be at the table, you know, they want to, they want to shake some things up. And I just, I just really try my best to advocate for that and just, you know, find a program that's for you. I know there's requirements, but just, you know, do what you have to do to, to get that experience, make sure that what you're doing, what you're doing now aligns with what you want to do in your future. If it for me, if it does not align, you know,
1: I got to think twice whether I want to dedicate my time to it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's fair. Did you have something you wanted to add, Kelsey? Oh, I mean, no, sorry. I see. You. Sorry. I, I saw you taking notes. So I was like, oh, she has to say this. <laughs> um, we can cut this piece out. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I love everything that you've just mentioned, Sherelle. Um, and one of the things that Kelsey had uh, kind of noted here, um, a true servant leader. Like, n- friends, when you're listening to this, if you look up the definition of a true servant leader, Sherelle Dorleans is going to pop up. Um <laughs> It's awesome. Like everything that you've done, yeah. the, the passion, the love that you have, and the willingness that you have to continuously give back to others, whether it be in mentoring opportunities um, or even just learning about how to connect with other folks, um, mm-hmm. just absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for your work on that and and helping for you know to continue to advocate for others. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like. This is my favorite question. I love this one. Um, we'd love to close our episodes with advice. And I feel like you've given us a lot of really great information so far. Um, but I would love to know, is there a piece of advice that you've been given that you're willing to share with us? Yes, definitely. Um, the first advice that someone
0: has given me, a uh, mentor, is to try, try again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just keep trying as long as you know what you want you know, no one can tell you otherwise. So if it means putting in a little extra work, Mm -hmm. go for it. You know, you may not have gotten into the nursing program or med school or or your grades may not be where it may need Mm -hmm. to be, but just keep trying and ultimately do your best, you know, and just make sure you make those connections because you never know um, how it can help you down the line. But is ultimately just to help you, you know, in your professional and personal growth. And, um, I would like, like I said again before, um, just make sure your experiences and, you know, your interests align Mm -hmm. because, you know, you want to be passionate about what you do. And just one example for me is, um, I've had several tries of applying to doctoral programs, and I actually just recently got accepted. Huh, guess, congratulations! Yeah, yeah. So, and I, and and I'm, I'm, I'm okay with saying that it was about the. I tried three times. This was the third try. Mm-hmm. So once again, try, try again, and mm-hmm. you'll, you'll, you'll get whatever
1: your heart desires. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Enough I think up. that's absolutely fantastic advice, and I hope all of our mm-hmm. listeners. Um, take that and use it moving forward. So, Cheryl, I just want to thank you so much for your time today. Um, it was also awesome really getting to know you, hearing a little bit more about your journey. Um, I feel like just excited talking to you. You're so passionate, so fun. Yeah. Um, so I'm really hoping that a lot of our students, um, you know, and a lot of our listeners get a lot out of this episode. So thank you again so much for, um, you know, spending some time with us today and chatting with everyone. We really appreciated it.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Thanks for
1: listening to this week's episode of Lead On. We hope you join us next week to discover more secrets of great leadership. In the meantime, lean in and lead on.